Come on, why don't we keep that praise going up? Lord, even when I don't feel like it, you're worthy. Lord, even when I can't see it, you're worthy. Lord, even when I don't feel you working, you're worthy. Lord, everything that I have comes from you. Everything that I'll ever have will come from you. And you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of everything that I have because it was never mine in the first place. Oh, isn't God good? You know, I can't, I couldn't help but get emotional looking at these students. I'm so, so proud of what they're doing this morning. You know, one of the big agendas of the world is to live your truth. It's something that we see all over. Love who you want to love. Do what you want to do with who you want to do it with. Go where you want to go because you're the most important person. Live your truth. And I'm so happy that there's a group of students that said, no, I'm going to live his truth. And his truth says that I'm a child of God. His truth says that I have gifts and talents, but they're made to edify the body of Christ. So that's what I'm going to do with it. I'm not going to go make a name for myself. I'm not going to lift myself up and glorify me, but I'm going to lift him up and I'm going to give my gifts back to him. Didn't these students do amazing this morning? Oh, I'm so proud of them. You can make your way back to your seats. You are in for a treat this morning. We have two young ladies that are going to come and, and bring a word. I've read over it. I know that it's got to be from the Lord. They're going to do a great job. We're excited to hear from them. First, you're going to have Sister Bethany Robinson come, and she's going to bring a word, and then Sister Molly Nealon, and then I'll come after them. So at this time, Bethany's going to come up. Why don't you just get behind her, support her? She's going to do a great job. She has a word from the Lord, and we're going to receive it with open minds and hearts. Well, good morning. Glad to see all of you here. Well, I guess I'll just get into it. As I searched and prayed for the topic of this message... I constantly was drawn towards the subject of fire. And as I searched throughout the Bible, I found that each reference of fire can be categorized based on the preceding actions in each particular situation. In Luke 17 and 29, it says, But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In 2 Chronicles 7 and 1, it says that when, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Yeah. In Sodom, fire fell and destroyed the city and all dwelling there because they had become consumed by their sin. For Solomon, when the fire fell, he and all the children of Israel were able to see the glory of God. For those in the upper room, as the fire fell upon each of them, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues. Amen. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown into the fire so that God's power and authority could be revealed. We know that fire can do many things. It can create heat and light, but fire can also refine. Chemists use an object called a crucible. A crucible is a pot that holds metal so that it can be heated to extremely high temperatures, and what remains in the pot is the purest form of that metal. That's right. Sodom and Gomorrah could be seen as the metal in the crucible. The city was quite literally caught on fire in the purest forms. Lot and his family were the only ones to survive. Now back to the fire. It takes work to get a fire started. If the fire is big enough, it can spread and become uncontrollable. But if the fire is too small, it can be extinguished within seconds of merely leaving it alone. You see, it's more than just believing. You can believe all you want that God is real, and of course you should. I'm sure the people of Sodom believed in God, but their focus was elsewhere. We get so caught up in religion that we forget about relationship. Come on now. 
Things begin to change when the relationship is formed. It's not the clothes we wear, the songs we sing, or the things we do that save us. Jesus himself said that the kingdom of God does not come with observation, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. I don't believe that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have been saved from the fire had they not developed a relationship, if they had not let God's fire consume them. I also don't believe that they would have been thrown into the fire in the first place because they would have just followed the crowd as many of us do today. When you develop a strong relationship with God, you want nothing more than for the people around you to find what you have for them to be consumed in the fire. I understand that it's not comfortable to be the odd one out, to be the one that is looked down upon for your beliefs, but there comes a point when comfort is no longer a factor. We weren't called to be comfortable. We were called to be unashamed disciples. Where it changed for me was this past youth retreat. Now, I'm not being paid to market youth retreat, but I will say, if you ever get a chance to go, it is truly life-changing. I know everyone says that, but it is. This past youth retreat was themed legacy. Within our small groups, we had the task of drawing a circle on a piece of paper and writing in the circle what we wanted our legacy to be. On the outside of the circle, we had to write what was holding us back from that legacy. I wrote that I wanted my legacy to be that I had been an unashamed disciple. And I wrote all the things that I believed were holding me back from my legacy, like people's image of me or not being accepted by my peers because of my beliefs, but generally just fear. As I looked back on that paper, I saw that all those things holding me back were so insignificant. To be an unashamed disciple requires me to be completely consumed by fire. It shouldn't matter what those people think about you because it's your and their eternity on the line. I personally pray every day that God's light will shine through me, that my relationship with God would shine brighter than my situation and someone could find the light in their darkness. Back in February of this year, when it seemed to be the peak of devastation in our community, I was finishing up the driving for my driver's license. I've never told this story to anyone, but I feel that it's time and that maybe it can help someone. My instructor for the first two days, one of the sweetest ladies in the world, was Miss Pat. The first day, I sat in the car, ready to get it over with so I could go back to my own world of hurt. She didn't know a thing about what I was going through or that I had just lost a friend. I didn't know her situation, and she didn't know mine. As I drove, she began asking questions about me just to ease the silence. We soon discovered that I had known her grandson since the second grade. Over these two days, we laughed and cried. She confided in me and told me things that I vowed to her and to God that I would never tell another soul. Toward the end of our drive together, she told me that she could see God shining through me, though I was broken and devastated. She said God knew she needed me for those two short days. God knew I needed her, too. On our final day of driving, Miss Pat told me that she would pray for me in my situation and all those to come, and I the same. It was through my interaction with Miss Pat that I was able to cast aside myself and let God shine through me. It was on February 4th and 5th that I came to the realization that we are living in a world on fire, and it's our choice which fire we are consumed by. The one that destroyed Sodom or the one that revealed the glory of God. You see, I could have chosen to be consumed by my situation, but I chose to be consumed by his ever-burning fire. I pray that each and every one of you will make the same decision in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. 
There's a song that says, clean my hands, purify my heart. I want to burn for you, only for you. Take my life as a sacrifice. I want to burn for you, only for you. So in closing, I leave you with a question. Which fire will you choose to be consumed by? morning TPC. Bethany that was awesome what a great word awesome job Bethany so before I get in uh, to this little message here I want to give honor to pastor and sister Neelan thank you for allowing me to speak also to brother Cameron and sister Lakin thank you for asking me to speak Real quick, today is my bro and sister-in-law's one-year anniversary, so I thought I'd just go ahead and put that in there because I'll probably forget to text them, so why not just go ahead and say it now. To Alliance, all of you young people, y'all are so wonderful. Aren't we so thankful for young people who have made the choice to give their lives to God? Amen. Amen. Since this is our back-to-school Sunday, I just want to say real quick to all of our teachers and staff, thank you for all you do. In my opinion, you deserve a million dollars and a lot of thanks. I got out early. I switched my major, so I'm sorry, but I pray that you feel peace, strength, and energy every day as you walk into school. So this morning, I know I'm only 20 years old, but I hope that I can add value and give you lovely people something practical that you can apply to your daily life. So this morning, I'm going to be real and transparent with you. The text for this morning is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, taken from the New Living Translation. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12 reads, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. So my title for today is Reach for God's Comfort. So comfort for us may be sitting in the same seat every Sunday because it's comfortable. Maybe it's chicken noodle soup when it rains or when you're sick because it's comforting. Maybe it's talking to the same people because we're comfortable being around them. In this day and age, it's all about comfort. Whatever is fast, easy, and acceptable is what's best for me. The world is like, oh, baby, whatever makes you feel comfortable, honey, you just do it, girl. You get it. You do it. As McDonald's would say, have it your way. But if we all did what made us feel comfortable, we probably wouldn't be here right now. And you know how I know that's true? Because I woke up in a nice warm bed this morning with a, with a nice little pillow. And my dog Lola decided, hey, girl, it's time to wake up. So she pounces on my bed. Good morning. You know, licking, scratching, all the good stuff. And so if we, but instead, we got up. And we did the uncomfortable thing, which is coming to church. And so if we were comfortable with the number of people we have now, then we wouldn't be reaching our neighbors, our city, inviting them to come to church. If we wanted to stay comfortable, we wouldn't be building a new church building. In World War II, during the Holocaust, the Jews were very unsure, uncomfortable, and nervous about what was happening. Corey Tim Boone writes that even though they were being persecuted, Days without food, standing in freezing temperatures for hours, and their bodies were racked with pain. The Jews never backed down from their beliefs, no matter how uncomfortable and torturous their lives had become. They found their comfort in who they believed in, which is God Almighty. And that's what we, as Christ lovers 
and Jesus followers should do. We should be so comfortable with who we are in Christ and so strong in the word of God that the world's thoughts, their mannerisms, and their ideologies make us feel so uncomfortable. We should not just stand out by the way we dress, but because of our culture. And what I mean by culture is every day we wake up, we're building a culture around us. Our habits, actions, words, and decisions make up our culture. Our very thoughts, actions, words are not based on the world's culture, but they're based on God's culture. I do believe that if we left the world's comfort and began seeking the comfort of Christ through God's word, fasting and prayer, we would be like those in the book of Acts who changed their very culture and turned their world upside down. They were so comfortable with their walk with God that the world around them made feel so uncomfortable that their world changed to be like Jesus. They did not change to be like the world. Their world changed to be like them. We have let ourselves become so much like the world that we start to be uncomfortable with church. We allow so many excuses to come between us and church and not enough to come between us and the world. Now, I'm not saying you need to quit this or, or do that because that's between you and God. But what I am saying is that we need to get comfortable with the eternal, what will last forever. Marvin Sapp sings one of my favorite songs, and at the beginning he says, it's not comfortable, and it doesn't feel good, but as long as I'm in his hands. It's just like the song we sang this morning about pressing and crushing. It doesn't feel good, but, they, at, but at the end of it all, you're glad you made up your mind that it is okay to be uncomfortable in this world. You know how I know we'll be glad we made this decision? It's because one day we'll hopefully all be in heaven together. And none of these earthly things will matter anymore. If we think about it, a lot of people wouldn't be here today if they had stayed comfortable in where they were at. Let me say that one more time. None of us would be here today if we had stayed comfortable in where we were at. Remember that. You don't have to be comfortable where you're at. We have a choice. We choose comfort in Christ now and eternity with Christ forever. One day I was thinking to myself, do I, do I really find comfort in God? I mean, I think we can all agree we love God, but are we, just, are we really comfortable with him? So what I mean by this is a lot of us are comfortable saying we're Christian, that we love God. But when it comes down to it, we're not comfortable with picking up a Bible at work or for praying for people in a public place. How comfortable are we with choosing to read the Bible or praying instead of choosing media, Facebook, our phones, or TV? We let other things give us a fake sense of comfort instead of leaning on the Lord to give us real comfort. So I just, I have a personal story. Um, and I'm still working through it. So I really, I really hadn't thought about who or what I, I gained my comfort from and, until recently. One day I was in my car. I talked to m- myself a lot. I listened to my little gospel jams. And I was thinking, man, you know, it sure would be nice to have a boyfriend. Like I'm 20. You know, a bunch of people are getting married and engaged, all the good stuff. Happy for them. But I, I realized that I was, I was trying to find, you know, I was like, man, a boyfriend that would love me more than anyone's, anyone else would ever love me, you know, cares about me, like, doesn't judge me, like, forgives me for whatever. And then I realized, you know what, Molly? God does the same thing. And it's like, wow, you know, kind of one of those blonde moments. And so I think this happens a a lot to us. You know, we're not necessarily trying to find comfort in a man, but we're all seeking comfort in the wrong places. So, for instance, TV for me is very comforting. It relaxes me, but ultimately it fills my time and really does not bring me true comfort. Only God can give me that comfort because at the end of the night, you turn off everything. You turn off your TV, you turn off your phone, and then that comfort ends. But when you truly set your mind on finding comfort 
in God, that's when you really start to make a change. And look, I'm not even close to where I need to be. I'm really not, but I'm working on it. And you may say, how, how do you work on that? Well, first of all, I have to remind myself daily that I make conscious decisions about everything I do, whether I read my Bible or watch TV, whether I go out with my friends or go to church. We make up our mind every day who we will allow to comfort us, whether it's TV, Facebook, Instagram, or God. So just some practical tips before I end. And something I have been doing is in the car, I'll get in the car, and I just remind myself by saying out loud, God, you are my comforter. You are my true love. You're the only one that loves me more than anyone else could ever love me. Remember that you're married to God because you bear his last name. Because remember, no matter who is in our life, God is always and should always be our number one. Another practical tip, Trey used to do this when he lived with us at home. He would take an Expo marker and write on his mirror. And so you can write, you know, things out that you want to say. Maybe it's those three things. You write them with the Expo marker on your mirror. And when you wake up and you walk in your bathroom, that's the first thing. And you say it out loud. You don't just read it in your mind. You say it out loud. So thank you all so much for letting me come up here. I love you all. I just want to pray over you real quick. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for giving everyone in this room the revelation of your comfort. You are so good and kind to us. Thank you for all that you have done and continue to do for us. Bless our students and administrators as they go back to school. Lord, whatever we face today, tomorrow, and the days to come, show us your comfort. In Jesus' name, amen. If I was um, a little smarter, I probably would have put myself first, so I didn't have to follow that. <laughs> Molly, Bethany, y'all have truly brought a word, and I think we could all go home and know that we've heard a word from the Lord. Before I get too far, I too need to give honor to Pastor and Sister Nealon. I'm so thankful for a pastor that understands the importance of young people and doesn't doesn't expect them to just stay in the youth room until they're 18 and then come serve the Lord, but he gives them a chance before. And I'm so thankful for that. I want to say thank you really quickly to our youth staff, all of you that help us out. You are a tremendous blessing. And I I can't go any further without saying thank you to my wife. I'm not going to look over there because I'm going to get emotional, but it's, it's so special when you find someone that compliments your walk with God and your your ministry and you don't have to fight in your marriage to take center stage but they lift you up and you work together for the Lord so thankful for a wife that I know loves me and supports me so I'm going to get into this now I'm going to go to first Corinthians chapter 12 and we're going to read verse 12 through 14 For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. I want to spend the next few minutes... And I'm going to try to keep it short because I know the time. Talking to you on this topic, the purpose within. Now, I'm going to get a little transparent. And I have a story that I want to share. But, you know, I know I'm among friends. So I'm going to share this. It's kind of embarrassing. Um, I'm asking that you don't cast judgment. We're all on a journey. And you may be further along than I am on mine. So recently, I decided that I wanted to start losing weight. And... um, you know, I just didn't feel like I was in the best shape. I, I didn't necessarily like what I saw in pictures and, and different things. So Lakin, myself, Lauren, and Connor, we decided we're going to start going to the gym together. Okay. Now, this was at the beginning of summer. Okay. okay. 
all summer long, every time we tried, um, it, it never worked out. It, it never worked out. So I began to think, maybe the Lord just loves me how I am. And, uh, you know, the, the Bible says our body's a temple and mine's just a mega church. So we're going we're gonna, to um, stick with it and roll with it, right? You know, but then, but then I saw a picture of myself when I had lost a little weight. And I was like, man, I really did look a lot better. I felt better. So maybe I should, instead of making excuses and justifying, maybe, maybe we should really just try to get this together. So last Tuesday, after all summer of trying, last Tuesday, the heavens aligned and everything worked out. And we synced our schedules and we made it to the gym at six o'clock on a Tuesday morning. Now, here's two things you need to know about me. Number one, I'm not a morning person at all. So the fact that I was even awake at that time was a miracle, much less in a gym. Number two, I can count on one hand the times that I have gone to a gym in my life and worked out. Um, And it probably wouldn't take more than two or three fingers. Um, So I had no idea what I was doing. Needless to say, I walked in there with clueless. I was absolutely clueless. So Lauren had an app, and it's going to guide us through our workout, right? Now, this app was not an app made by someone of my stature. It was an app made by someone who has worked out before. Um, But, you know, me, I I didn't really know what I was doing. So Connor went and grabbed, I really shouldn't even say the number because it's embarrassing. Connor went and grabbed the the 20-pound dumbbells. So I was like, okay, I can can do that. So I went and grabbed the 20-pound dumbbells and... We get in our spot, and the first thing, I don't even remember what it was. I blocked it out of my memory because it was traumatic. <laughs> After about the second rep, I realized I had grossly overestimated my abilities. <laughs> um, luckily, the Lord just put it in Connor's spirit that he needed to go get some smaller dumbbells. <laughs> so I didn't feel ashamed. I went and grabbed the 15. I, I can do it. I, 20 was a little much. I can do it with 15. So we start going. I did a couple reps. Nope. That was still too much. So I went down to 10 pounds, and I was rocking it with my 10-pound dumbbells. I was getting after We did all the workouts. I did them all. I felt good. Went home. I was productive. I went to the gym this morning. I got a workout in. Had a great day. Went to bed with a smile on my face because I had started my journey. Wednesday morning, that smile was very quickly wiped off of my face. When I got out of bed... It felt like someone had deactivated my arms. They were not working. I could not, either one of my arms could not get them past here. Okay. Now there's a lot that happens in life up here. My arms were here. Okay. So Wednesday was not very productive. I had all kinds of stuff I was going to do. It did not get done. I came to church Wednesday night. Pastor said, lift your hands. Here it was. I couldn't get there. I struggled to give you a hug. Shaking a hand was iffy. But I was so sore. So I thought, okay, it was the first day after the workout. Tomorrow is going to be better. I'm going to, it's going to, I'm going to get up. I'm going to feel better. No. Thursday was worse. When I tell you, I, brushing my teeth, you know, typically we're, we all know how to brush our teeth. You move, you move your hand back and forth. Mm-mm. I was holding the tip of the toothbrush and moving my head back and forth. <laughs> Because I could not move my arms. It was that tragic, y'all. Somehow I mustered up the strength and I got dressed and we went to work in my classroom. I didn't, I I wasn't very productive because if it was not on the desk or a table, I couldn't reach it. So I was working on my little desk right here. Couldn't do much more than that. Um, So I went home. I was like, well, we'll get after it later. So I went home. And something very interesting happened when I got home. Lakin's at work. She don't get off till 7 o'clock. I needed to take a shower. I had a T-shirt on. I couldn't lift my arms to get the T-shirt off. <laughs> if, if there was cameras, I, I mean, I wouldn't show you because I was taking my shirt off, but it would be very comical, the, the attempts that I made to get my T-shirt off over my head. I tried every which way to get that shirt off, and it wasn't happening. So, it was an older shirt, I got some scissors, and I very carefully and very slowly cut the front of my shirt so that I could get it off, okay? And in that moment, I realized, I I really do have somewhere I'm going, I'm not just telling a story. 
in that moment, I realized there are so many things that I could not accomplish because one part of my body was not fulfilling its purpose. My legs weren't sore at all, but I can't use my legs to brush my teeth and fix my hair. The everyday things that we take for granted just were not happening. I was brushing my teeth, but they they weren't happening with the typical ease because one part of my body could not fulfill its purpose. And in that moment, the Lord just spoke to me. It wasn't a loud thundering voice, but he just spoke to my spirit and said, "There, the body of Christ is not reaching its full potential because there are members of the body not fulfilling their purpose. You know, the enemy tries to convince us that we're not good enough or our, our part doesn't matter or somebody else can do it or because it's not on this stage that it's not important, but the body is made up of so many parts and one can't do the, the work of another. Your, your feet can't do what your hands can do. Your eyes can't do what your ears do. Your heart can't do what your brain does. You can't live without either one. But they do different things. So it is with the body of Christ. Every part of the body has a unique and a specific purpose. Every member has a purpose that God has called us to do. And when we don't fulfill that purpose, the body is not reaching its full potential. The hands of God cannot reach without the feet taking it where it needs to go. When I think about purpose, I can't help but think of the story of David. I want to go now to 1 Samuel 16 and verse 11. Before I read it, though, I want to give you some background heading up to this verse. Um, In the beginning of this chapter, the Lord spoke to Samuel and told him to fill his flask with oil and go to Bethlehem, and he was going to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be the next king. So Samuel does. He goes, he goes to Jesse, he invites him and his sons to a sacrifice so that he can anoint one of Jesse's sons as king. And as he goes through the list of all seven of Jesse's sons that were there, the Lord never spoke and told him to anoint them. Even though they were strong, even though they were tall, and even though they met all the qualifications on the outside, the Lord never released Samuel to anoint one of them. And that brings us to our scripture. Starting with verse 11, then Samuel asked, are, all, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of oil and he, he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. David was anointed to be king at a young age, but he didn't get the crown until later in his life. Even though he didn't have the crown, he had a purpose. And that is what drove him to keep pursuing what God had for him. Now, I know this is going to be a little different. This is not how we typically do things. But we're going to start passing out our prayer cloths now. And we're going to learn more about David's life as we do that. So if you're helping us pass out prayer cloths, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand and get in your spot. As they're doing that... We're going to go backwards this year. I want to start with all of our educational staff, all of our teachers, our administrators, bus drivers, custodians, office staff, cafeteria workers, anyone that works at a school or school board. I want you to stand at this time. You can begin to make your way to the front. You're going to get a prayer cloth on your way. And then I'm asking that you would come stand over here in front of the organ. See, just as... David had a calling on his life. I believe what you do is a calling. David was called to be king. And God called you to be where you are today. 
Now, I'm not telling you that you have to stay in education to fulfill your calling. That's between you and the Lord. But God gave you a purpose and a calling. Just like David had a calling on his life, teachers, you have a calling on your life. It wasn't until David stepped out of that calling that we see where he fell. David was king. He had reached his calling. And the kings were off at battle, but David stepped out of his calling and stayed home. That was when he saw Bathsheba, and it it was a downward spiral into adultery and murder. All because he stepped out of the will of God for his life. I'm not telling you that you have to stay in education, but each of you have a calling on your life. You have a purpose. You are the hands and feet of Christ. And as long as you stay in that calling, you'll have everything you need. David didn't fall when he was in his calling because God was with him. But when he stepped out of his calling, he fell. I know the year brings stresses. I know it changes day to day at this point, hour by hour. But you have a calling. There's no mistake. There's no coincidence of who's going to be in your class. God has ordained you and your room. And I know you're limited on what you can do. But there are children coming to you that you don't even know the circumstances. You, there are children coming to you that they don't know where their next meal's coming from. They don't even have a parent in their home. And you, you get to interact with that child. You get to see the image of God every day. They were all made in God's image. Yeah, they come from different backgrounds. They come from different families. But every child that you interact with was made in God's image. And you get the opportunity to be a part of their story. You're called just as much as David was. This time I would like our college students to stand. You can make your way to the front, and I'm going to ask that you stand here in front of the youth section. We read where David was called to be king at a very young age, but just because he was anointed that young doesn't mean he got the crown that young. He didn't get the title until later on. In fact, when he was about your age, he was a musician for Saul, who was the king at the time. And Saul got jealous of him and tried to kill him, tried to take him out. So David had to go on the run. David was a fugitive in hiding from the king that he was anointed to replace. College students, listen. You have a a calling on your life. You You have a purpose. You You may not have the title yet, but you have a purpose within you. But the enemy is going to try to take you out. He's going to send friends. He's going to send professors to, to question your beliefs, to question your identity. But remember, you have a purpose within you. You have a reason that God made you. You may not be there yet. You may not have the title yet, but don't let that stop you from moving forward to that purpose. Don't get distracted by the things of this world, the agendas of the enemy that would try to take you out just before you reach your calling. Some of you are called to be doctors. Some of you are called to be teachers. Some of you are called to be operators. God can put you anywhere, any job, and it's a calling because he has a reason to put you there. He has a plan for you being there. It's not on accident. Don't let the enemy distract you and take you out before you reach your calling. At this time, our high school students can stand. Make your way to the front. You're going to stand here in front of the the pulpit. 
This is the part of David's life we're probably most familiar with. Around this time, the Bible doesn't say specifically how old David was, but scholars believe he was between 13 and 15 years old when he slayed Goliath. One of David's greatest moments in the Bible does say he was only a youth. David had been anointed by Samuel, but he was not the king yet. Saul should have been the one going to battle against Goliath. But when David saw that the king wasn't going to battle, he knew that he had a calling to be a king and he stepped in. Students, you have a calling within you. You have a purpose within you. Don't let your youth be the reason that you don't start to fulfill that purpose now. You don't need a title. You don't need a crown to act as a king should act. David wasn't king yet, but he was acting as a king when he slayed Goliath. God has placed greatness in each of you and has a purpose for your life. Don't let the people around you who aren't doing as they should interfere with your walk with God. At the same time, don't let your youth be a crutch. It's easy to say, I'm young, there's still time. Or that's an elder's job to pray every day. You know, that, that's someone older that should be teaching a Bible study. You have greatness in you and you can accomplish great things for Christ. This time I'm going to ask all of our middle school students, our junior high students to stand. High schoolers, if y'all could come squeeze in. Junior high students, stand. Make your way to your the front. You're going to stand over here. It's believed that, that David was your age, middle school students, when he was anointed to be king. Could you imagine, Riley... Could you imagine being anointed to be a king at your age? You may think, I'm, I'm just a junior high student. David wasn't even included in the initial lineup of Jesse's sons. But even when he was discredited by his father, God had a purpose for David and was not willing to take any replacements. God knew who he was looking for. Junior high students, God has a specific plan and a purpose for your life, and he does not want a replacement. He doesn't want to fill in. No matter what the enemy has convinced you of, you are good enough. You do have a purpose. You're not a mistake. God has a plan for your life, and it's up to you whether it will come to pass. David could have received the anointing at your age and done nothing with it. He could have given up when things got hard and he was on the run from the king. But he knew he had a purpose. He knew he had a calling and there was nothing going to stop him from reaching it. I'm telling you this morning, junior high students, that you too have a purpose. You may not know it yet. You may not see it yet. But God has a reason that he created you. And I'm calling you to act like it. You don't have to wait until you're here. And you get the crown. You can start acting like a king now. I'm going to ask all of you to squeeze in because now we've got to get all the, all the elementary students. We're going to start with our third through fifth grade students. Squeeze in. Come on. Third through fifth grade, you can stand. Come get your prayer cloth. Yeah, you, can, you can stand in front of each other. Now our, our preschool through second grade and parents, if you need to come with them, you can stand and make your way to the front. If you can make it over here, that's great. If not, just get you a prayer cloth and come to the front. I'm going to try to keep this one short because I know they're going to get a little antsy, but the Lord showed me something when I was studying for this message about our elementary students. When David was your age, he was just a shepherd boy taking care of his father's sheep. 
He hadn't even been anointed yet. But he still had a purpose. And so do you. Students, parents, if you have a child up here, I want you to listen to this. Because this is what the Lord showed me. When David was trying to convince Saul to let him go and fight Goliath. Remember, David was just about a high school student's age. And he was out there on the battlefield trying to fight a giant. And the king told him, no, you're, you're just a youth. You can't go fight a giant. This is what David's response was. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb, I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and bear will rescue me from the Philistine. The things that are being instilled at this age is what helps us defeat the giant at this age. Don't discredit. Don't discredit just because we're young. Don't discredit just because we're in first grade, we're in kindergarten that, that oh, it's okay, we'll, we'll teach them about God later. They'll, they'll learn about the Lord later. No, the, the things that they learn now is the foundation for all of this. You don't get to be the king without being the shepherd first. You don't slay the giant without first discovering that God's with you when you slay the lion and the bear. Don't think just because we're four, five years old, that doesn't matter. David has a, had a purpose within him before he ever was anointed, before he ever killed the giant, before he ever got the crown. He had a purpose. The Bible says that God knew you before you were in your mother's womb. So that means he, he created you for a reason. If he didn't need you, you wouldn't have been here. I know that sounds harsh, but that, that's the truth. But you're here. That means God has a purpose for you. I mean, God has a reason that he made you. Pastor's about to come. He's going to pray over these students and educational staff. But I want, to, I want to do it a little different this year. I want each of you, I want you to link up with someone. We love pastor's prayer, but pastor can't physically touch each of you and lay hands on you. But you have greatness in you. You have the power of prayer within you. You have purpose within you. So I want you to link up with someone next to you. Pastor, you can come. You're going to pray for the person next to you as pastor prays over all of us. Congregation, I'm going to ask you to stand at this time and stretch your hands towards these students and staff. In a minute, we're going to turn this into a house of prayer. Because these students need to be covered in prayer. We don't need acute prayer. We don't need cute church right now. These students are facing a, a worldly agenda like never before. And they need to be covered in prayer. So we're going to pray like we know how to pray. I've been in services where this church prays. I know we know how to reach the throne room of heaven. And that's what we're about to do for these students because they need us. I want you to pray like your child is up here. Every classroom that they walk in is, is going to be a, a battlefield. They're going off to battle this year, but, but it's also going to be a harvest field. And the Bible says that the fields are white and ready for harvest, but the harvesters are few. I'm looking at a whole group of students up here that are called, that have a purpose, and that are going to reach this community, and it starts today. So we're not asking for you to just lift your hands and pray so that they can take a prayer cloth, put it in their backpack, and it look cute. We need to saturate these students in prayer. These students need to know that when they go into that school, they've been covered in prayer. They know that there's a God walking with them.
that's going to fight alongside them. Can we pray like that? All right, Pastor. Father, in the name of Jesus, on the authority of your great word, Lord, we speak protection in the name of the Lord over all of our students. Lord, protection as they go to and fro, back and forth into their school, into their classrooms. In the name of the Lord, we speak, O oh God, as the authority of your word. We plead the blood of Jesus over every child and every student, middle schooler, high schooler. Lord, our educators, teachers, Lord, custodians, staff members, we pray your protection on them right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray that God's purpose would arise in every one of their hearts, in their mind, in the name of the Lord, that they would know that they have a calling on their life. And when they walk into that classroom, God, I pray, Lord, that something from their innermost being, that, Lord, they would feel, God, your strength as they pour out to our students, as they pour out, oh, God. Lord, I'm just asking for that strength in the name of the Lord. I am praying in Jesus' mighty name, God, that this would be a great year, that we would not bow down to the idols of this culture, but that we would stand up, oh God, and proclaim that Jesus is Lord and that I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray a covering upon them, upon all of these students, in the name of Jesus. And we give you thanks and we give you praise right now for going with us each and every day as we make our way back to school on Friday. Thank you for going with us in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say amen. Now as pastor, please don't leave. I'm asking you not to leave. I want to give honor to whom honor is due. First of all, all of you educators, I believe with all of my hearts that what we ought to do is reverse the culture in America. And I believe, and I'm not just saying this, I believe sincerely that all of the athletes, you ought to get their pay and they ought to get your pay. Because all of these principals and educators are dealing with more today than they've ever had to deal with. And I want you to know that this church, if you're with me, say amen. We're lifting you up because we know that what you step into every day in education is difficult. And so we honor you. Here's what I also believe. I believe with all of my heart that you're just as called as I am. Because you can't do what you do without being called. Because you didn't go for the money. Isn't that the truth? You went because you're called. I want to I give all of our educators, principals, and teachers, come on. I want you to whoop it up for them right now. I want them to feel appreciated. And love. I mean that. I know no position is higher than another, just like I'm not better than anybody, right? But I do want to acknowledge Brother Jeff Sanders is now the principal of Starks High School, and we give you honor, sir, and that's awesome. I'm going to give honor to Brother Scott Poussin, who is now the principal of our middle school, and we give you honor, sir. And if I'm not mistaken, Sister Sanders, where are you? Are you now the assistant principal? Where you at, sis? Are you now the assistant principal of the middle school? We give you honor. We're extremely, very sanctified proud. Do I have any other assistant principals or principals in this house? Case? Me and Case are buddies. We're friends. We talk often. I'm going to tell you, this guy is an amazing Christian that loves God and loves his family and is a great representative of TPC. Case, we love you. Proud of you. You're going to do great this year. Anybody else? My sweet sister was here last week.
And you know what? I just hugged her like I'd known her all her life. And then we probably prayed three minutes together. And now you're back. Thank you for being here. We honor you. Would you give our sister a wonderful hand? Jacqueline, tell me your principle of Cypress Cove. Give Jacqueline a big old hand. Y'all forgive me. I've told you that your pastor needs prayer. So what I'm fixing to tell you, just forgive me because it's very carnal. Okay? But I do like to watch MMA fighting. And they have an announcer and he goes, And in this corner is the heavyweight. That's what I want to do. And in this corner is some of the greatest educators in our community. I know that's goofy, but that's all right. It's how I feel. And Lynn is new. She's now the counselor at the middle school. Way to go, Lynn. Awesome. To all of you, thank you. And I tell you, I didn't realize we had so many college and career students. Let's give them a big hand. Y'all are good-looking group. Good-looking group. High schoolers, wave your hand. Man, y'all are a good-looking group. Y'all are going to change the world. Middle schoolers, raise your hand. Ah, y'all got all the pr- problems solved. Hey, if you need an answer, this is the group you talk to. They got it all solved. They already got it figured out. No sense in even worrying about it. They know the answer. Right? All of our elementary students, wave your hand. Woo! Pastor and Sister Janet, love you. Love you. Bethany, Molly, Brother Cameron, staff, musicians. Man, y'all did phenomenal. Give them a big hand. So proud. So sanctified proud. Janet, did I miss anything, baby? Is there anything I need to say? Come up here, you beautiful. You want to finish praying for them? Oh, she's going to anoint all of you. Okay, so Brother Cameron wants me to let you know, if you want some prayer calls, who's going to have them? If you want some prayer calls for maybe some of your nieces or nephews, you take them, okay? Now, here's how we're going to end this deal. If you have a child up here, a parent, I know it's going to get crowded. But if you have a child up here or a grandchild, I just want you to come and hug them. This is Walker, y'all. And I... He's got great parents, but this is a fine young man. And you know what? I want his parents to come up here and say, Walker, I'm so proud of you. You're going to kill it this year at school, right? I'm going to tell you something. If we don't show them love, the world will. Come on, somebody. I said, if we don't show them love, the world will. Sister Kaylee's going to sing, and I want you to come up here, and I want you to show your kiddos, your grandkids. I want you to give them a big old hug. I want you to show them some love. I'm proud of you, Walker. I'm proud of you, son. Connor, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of all of you. Sanctified proud. To all of our guests, thank you for being here today. Some of my mature members here.